Continuing Completed Classics Fulfilling Failed Franchises Reinvigorating Reviled Rehashes It's The Follow-Up Showdown With Paul Gitz, Travis McMaster and Lauren Pacorni Hello and welcome to the follow-up showdown to Nerds in Quarantine, where we still give worthy second chapters to stories that don't have them. I am your host, Papa Alpha Uniform Lima Getz, and if this is the first time you're joining us, the way it works is we take a movie with either no sequel or a sequel that doesn't quite fill the first one's shoes and take our own separate shots at coming up with a better one. But in the end, only one can triumph. Or two can tie. Now, unfortunately, in these quarantine times, I have sadly gone solo. Travis and Lauren are going to take a little break from the show for a bit and hopefully come in when available. I look forward to the return and I wish them health and happiness. But that brings me to the good news, because our guests today are two of my very favorite people in the world, experts in entertainment consumption, and they both have very impressive resumes to boot, Steve Clemens and Katie Hoyt. Hey guys, how are ya? Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Oh, thank you for being here. What an um, intro. And the movie that they have chosen for us to improve on today is 2004's Meet the Fockers, a sequel to the smash hit comedy Meet the Parents. We interrupt this program for the summary of two films. Greg Fokker is a male nurse who wants to propose to his kindergarten school teacher girlfriend, Pam. He overhears a conversation with her newly engaged sister, letting him know that he must first get her father's permission. So, on the weekend of Pam's sister's wedding, they go to stay at her parents' house, with Greg hoping he can make a good impression and get the permission he needs. But it turns out that her father, Jack Burns, is not the retired florist he claims to be, but rather an ex-CIA operative who is extremely judgmental and mistrusting of all of Pam's boyfriends. A series of unfortunate coincidences escalating catastrophes and snowballing lies told by Greg and others compound over the weekend to make Greg look worse and worse until they come to a head and he is ousted by the entire family, prompting Greg to fly back home. But after Pam calls Jack a jerk, he catches Greg at the airport where they clear everything up and he gives Greg permission to propose, and so he does. Also, Jack has a Himalayan cat named Jinx that he trained to use the toilet, and Pam has an ex-boyfriend that is clearly still in love with her as well as preferred by Jack named Kevin, who is played by Owen Wilson. Meet the Fockers. It's two years later, and Greg and Pam still aren't married for some reason. They go with Jack and Dina, Pam's mom, to where Greg's parents live so everyone can meet for some reason. They also bring Pam's sister's baby along for some reason. Bernie and Roz Fokker are polar opposites to the Burnses, a sex therapist and a house husband respectively, and things are embarrassing and intense for Greg, especially once two things happen. One, Pam finds out she's pregnant but doesn't want anyone to find out, and two, Jack becomes obsessed with proving that Greg fathered an illegitimate child with the Fokker's housekeeper. After Jack takes things too far by injecting Greg with truth serum in an effort to prove his theory, Jack is ousted by the family and further embarrassed by the knowledge that everyone has been told Pam is pregnant except him. Ultimately, Jack agrees to calm down and have more frequent sex with his wife, which is another subplot, and everything more or less works out. Then, Greg and Pam decide to get married that weekend for no reason, and Kevin arrives to perform the ceremony for no reason. Also, the Fokker's horny dog, Moses, is flushed down the toilet by Jinx and then sodomizes him. Now, uh, <laughs> any particular reason you guys settled on, on this one? Uh, well, we're a couple. <laughs> Uh, and I find that amusing. <laughs> I 
I think we honestly landed on this one because we wanted to find a movie that we remembered was fine. Yeah. And didn't know the sequel to. We don't agree on a lot of stuff. So if it was like something precious, like a movie that I loved, like it's just there's too many prerequisites of like, well, you both got to like it, but hate the sequel. And that's hard to do for us. Yeah. So you didn't want to cause any uh, uh, turmoil in the household over yeah <laughs> over the movie that Not was chosen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe another time. Yeah. Mm. Good call. Good call. Sorry if anybody heard me t- take a sip. I've, I've, I'm drinking a very on theme Tom Collins, and I don't know if you guys noticed, I'm wearing my cat shirt, oh. um, which is. The second time I've worn a cat shirt uh, for an event with you guys, the others yes. seeing cats. Um, <laughs> you, know. well, you should also <laughs> mention that when you say cat shirt, it's not like a costume from cats. It is a shirt covered in pictures of cats. That's true. That's true. I was hoping that uh, of of any of the cats on here, there would be a Himalaya because of uh, Mr. Jinx, but there is not. Uh, yeah. So I'm not as on theme as I could be, I guess. You know, usually we uh, start by talking about the first one. Um, oh, yeah. So you said you both liked it or felt similarly about it. How, how, how do you remember your experience with this movie? Uh-huh. The, so the first time I saw it was when it came out and I was in high school. And it was actually, it came out around the same time as the movie The Exorcist, the version you've never seen. And I was not, <laughs> I was not 17 yet, so I couldn't uh-huh. get a ticket to go and see that, which I really wanted to. Um, so I bought a ticket to meet the parents with a friend of mine in hopes that we would sneak in to see The Exorcist, the version you've never seen. That did not work. So we had to go and see Meet the Parents like begrudgingly instead, which was not what we were going there to do. But we actually liked it. So oh, good. It was, yeah, it was a situation where I think we were very disappointed. But, you know, it was like a it was kind of like a better letdown than I think we were anticipating. I had a very different uh, experience with the parents, <laughs> which was I was writing for my school newspaper at the time, at my high school paper, and I was like desperate to get like a movie review because that was like something they gave to like upperclassmen, and I was like, "I'll do anything," and they're like, "We'll pick a movie and Meet the Parents have just come out." Uh, <laughs> so I was like, "I'll do Meet the Parents." So I went on a on a Tuesday night with my notepad. And uh, <laughs> God. I mean, to go see Meet the Parents solely with the purpose of giving a review for a movie that by the time it was printed would have been out for like three weeks <laughs> or something. Uh, I did not like it. Uh, I mostly found it anxiety inducing, mostly just like watching like a man fight against a universe that's out to destroy him, which, yeah, so I, I put it, I wrote a bad review. And uh, and then it was a smash hit, and uh, <laughs> and I, my my football coach would read the review, and he just every day relentlessly for for weeks would just be like, "Well, me and my girlfriend were gonna go see uh, Meet the Parents. But, uh, <laughs> we read a terrible review in the newspaper. <laughs> that really happened. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, "So I guess uh, I guess we have time to run a little bit longer. Like so I." years afterwards regretted that review and I was like I was too harsh on it. I just didn't know how to do proper film criticism. And now all these years later I I think I got it. I think I got it right. Like uh it ex- induced anxiety but didn't make me laugh enough to like 
work to like I, I don't know. I, I wasn't I wasn't uh, as big a fan of it as Katie. I wouldn't call myself a fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say though that I I when we we both when we had both watched it after this new time around afterward we were like oh we both feel about it the same way we did initially which I found interesting so yeah. at least it's a consistent movie I guess yeah, it holds up in in that yeah, in the yeah sense it does that... hold up in that way but we definitely had thoughts about it for sure I'm curious what you thought well I was I was a big old fan I mean I mm-hmm. I I. I I remember this being, well, I wanted to ask about going into it on a Tuesday, how crowded the theater was, because I remember this being like one of these um, event comedy movies, like there's something about Mary or this is the end would be maybe more, or, or bridesmaids, like more modern versions well, like, of, of comedy that are these movies that are written in a way where they're trying to get a laugh every scene at, at least. But really, the goal seems to be you're laughing from beginning to end. Like, it's like every person who ca- could see this movie is going to laugh at something at all times. Like, Right. And I feel like this one, go like, the, the way it ends with Greg talking to the camera and the, can you deal with that? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I remember that being that type of thing where it was like, oh, I'm still laughing. They got me right at the end. Like, you know, yeah. and... I got really stoked on it, and I remember I saw it multiple times, and I, you know, it was one of these things where I was like, I was very much on board the hype, and like, you gotta go, you gotta go, it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and I remember my mom went, and she's very uh, analytical about things, and would always ask about, like, especially when we disagreed, like, now, honey, why did you like that? Like, you know, what or, or what did you like about that? Now, this was when I remember her liking okay, but I also remember being like, now, you realize that's ridiculous, right? <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I'm like, what do you mean it's ridiculous? Yeah, I mean, it's comedy, it's funny. And then she was like, well, there's no way anyone would, would stay through all that. They would, he would, they would leave, you know? And I was like, oh, but he loves her. He's a nice guy. He's trying to do it. I remember specifically having a debate with her that at the end, I remember her analysis being that that video that Jack finds of Greg ruins everything again. You know what I mean? <laughs> if, yeah. Yeah. It's going to undo just, a lot of the progress he made because he kind of comes yeah. clean about a lot of stuff. And yeah. Not that. And your mom's and right. You <laughs> yeah, she was right. And, and in retrospect, I realized that. I, I, I still won't give her that she was right about all these discussions, but that one, I, I now see her point. Looking at it with uh, more of an adult perspective, I definitely have a moment where I would have left if I was Greg. And so my question to you guys is, when would you have left? My my mom's answer was when he breaks the urn. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. And that's early. Continuing. That's very early. And I don't, I think I could have gotten past that because it seems like they forgave him well enough. Yeah. I was thinking, I was like, uh, I don't know if I'd leave after that, just because that's a great story to have in life. <laughs> like, yeah, this happened. I probably would have left, though, the next morning when everyone at the table, like when my fiance hadn't woken me up to get ready to go to, like, what they had planned the next day, as well as yeah. everyone made me feel like shit for being a nurse. <laughs> I think that's probably when I would have left. I would be questioning the relationship at that point. Sure. You would have found a polite reason to be like, oh, I, I got to go back to Chicago. I just remembered. I would, knowing me, I wouldn't have been polite about it. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Get out of here. 
uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need some space. Yeah. As you would um, have every right to do for how yeah, rude yeah. they are. But for me, that's not the point to leave because I feel like knowing me, I would quietly fume about these like little insults mm. and slights. And be like, <laughs> what is she doing? Why is yeah. she doing like, <laughs> and, and I would sit through all of that. And I think the point that it would become too much when he lights the yard on fire, uh, when that okay. just goes down and it's like a Rube Goldberg of just like, Oh, I think I would. And then when I watch it, I say, Oh, the universe hates Greg Fokker. And if mm. that was me, I'd be like, I, everyone here that what that would translate to is everyone around me hates me now. And I just can't sit through another, like <laughs> even hour of, everyone staring daggers at me. I've ruined this wedding. I don't want to ruin this wedding by just being here and everyone talking about the fact that I, there's the guy, there's the guy. Yeah. That's the yeah. guy that did it. So it's just kind of like, I'm sorry, I'm going to go, you know, but yeah. having said that now, I'm not sure I ever would have gotten in that situation because I'm not <laughs> Greg Fokker. And I would say yeah. the situation I most likely would have gotten into, I totally would have been the dude who spiked the volleyball. And <laughs> See, and that's and that's what I was gonna say. That is when that is when I would have left. I would yes. have left. And it, obviously, it's an accident. And I feel like I would have been able to leave knowing, like, okay, my girlfriend's probably not gonna break up with me for this <laughs> yeah. horrible accident. But I am not <laughs> going to stay for this woman's wedding because she's yeah. she doesn't want you there. Like, I right. feel like that part is breezed over so quickly, but yeah. no chance after you busted up the bride's face with the bride, yeah. you know. But yeah, I, I like that we picked three different points. That was uh, that was exactly yeah. what I wanted out of that question. So, good. Sorry good. I stomped on yours a little, Paul. Oh, no, no, not at all. I was glad it was a good transition because I was, I was ready to say I would have picked earlier than yours, but later than Katie's. Yeah. Oh, Just yeah. because, yeah. yeah. I get angry quickly, so yeah. <laughs> I will say that this time around, um, I liked it. Uh, I liked it. I was worried I would like it less mm -hmm. than I did. I think I like it less than I used to now. Yeah. But it's still pretty tight, in my opinion. Yeah. This time I was just able to find a few things that are insane. Yeah. Like that are just absolutely ridiculous. Um, and it's a comedy, so you can forgive those, of course, but it's, uh, yeah, things that I didn't see as plot holes before I now see as, like... Well, like, I would say one thing about it that really bothered me this time around, and I didn't even remember this, to be honest, from initially watching it, but I really hate how much, and not only the first one, but they also kind of still do it in the second one, is how much they harp on him being a nurse. Like, it's so... Yes bizarre and it reminds and i think that's why it reminds me of wedding crashers in a way because i feel like it was like this time where comedy it was like very uncool to be a kind person like it's like there was like <laughs> this area of comedy in the early 2000s where it was like no if you're kind you're like the butt of every joke and it was just bizarre to like see it again i would definitely say with that just like with the name fokker yeah they hit it one to too many times in the first one. In the first yeah. one alone. They mm -hmm. just hit them so many times. Yeah. And I would yeah. say when they do the Martha Fokker was set, was enough of a stretch that it was like, okay. I know. But then when he's Gaylord Fokker, it's like, okay, that's, I mean, 
I still don't find that funny, and I don't think I ever did. The the Martha Fokker, Pamela Martha Fokker, I remember not getting that the first time or maybe even the second time, just being like, I don't get it. And then when it was explained to me, being like, oh, meh. They really thought they had something there, and I don't think that they did. I mean, (laughs) the cousin Orny Fokker is like... Randy and Orny. Is Orny a name? Like, Orny yeah. is a name. There's a comedian named Orny Adams. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wait, did you look that up because of this? No, or no, I just, just happened know to that? know. Yeah, yeah I, just, I just knew yeah. that. What I noticed more, I feel like more than anything this time around with the first one was how big Pam's sins are in this situation. Because she yeah. knows her dad is that crazy. You know what I mean? And I don't think she really does a good job preparing him. At all. Yeah. Oh, come on. When he's um, lugging that giant pot with the, with yes. the bulb in it to give to yeah. her dad as a florist, she didn't be like, yeah. oh, he's over that, you know, or like make up some lie that like, yeah. she yeah. just lets him walk well, into it with this 40 pound pot of dirt and looking like a jackass. Yeah. And it's, and okay, her biggest sins I, I wrote down for me one, yeah. they get to the house. She throws his cigarettes on the roof, says, oh, I told you, you know, at least at least that one she told him. My dad hates smokers yeah. or whatever. But then she says, oh, by the way, we're not living together. And mm-hmm. then he says, oh, I thought you said you told them. And she gets interrupted by the parents coming out. That's uh, huge. I mean, Greg, huge I don't lot. think, realizes how huge that is, but that's a huge. Uh, yeah. She, the drive over, the plane ride over, she couldn't have said any of that. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, two. After he wakes up late and the whole family makes fun of him, she says, go wake up my brother yes. and borrow some of his clothes. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah and then we <laughs> were like what? audibly what? like, what? Yeah. 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 your brother Yeah. It's nuts. And there's no reason for her not to go do it. She's not doing anything. And then number three, pretty much everything with Kevin where she didn't tell him he was the brother's uh, or the brother-in-law's best man. Yeah. Or that like, and the Iceman and Maverick stuff. It's just, she's very like her behavior with her ex-boyfriend is, is nuts. It's enough to make me like, if I was him be like, I don't know if I want to marry this woman. Like now that you're listing all these things, I think by the end of the movie, I would have been like, you know what? I can maybe do better and not be terrified of my (laughs) father-in-law. She doesn't give him any, any support. She gives him no like ease or support. It's just like she lets him walk into things and like forgets he's there until he messes up. Well, at the very least, I feel like the first one does a good job at giving her charm. Like yeah. for sort of forgetting all the insanity. Like you, you, you believe in their chemistry and yeah. that they love each other and that she's, uh, you know, like reasonable enough. It plays mm-hmm. well enough. Whereas in two, it's like, it's just figuring out how to write her out of every scene and make sure that he's in the room with either just Jack or the wacky parents. Like it's not, they're not central anymore to the, you know, or at least their, the, their chemistry. In Meet the Fockers. Yeah. In Meet the Fockers. Yeah. But I guess I don't want to jump ahead uh, uh, too much. I've got some uh, fun facts and, and notes here on, on the first one. I'm just curious, before you start with actual facts, this yeah. is the first I remember seeing Owen Wilson. I will say I remembered him probably at the time best from the cable guy because he's the guy that um, Jim Carrey beats up in the bathroom. Oh. 
yeah. I mean, it's a pretty He's small part. Thing. It's just like, yeah, as like a Jim Carrey obsessed fan, I was like, you know, I had seen that enough times that I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and he, um, he does call the waiter over, and he's like, hey, Padre, yeah. uh, I said yeah. no ice or something like that, and he's like, oh, no, they're chicken, man. Have the eggs had a chance to hatch yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the jerk. I, he would, I, I, for me, he is one of the funniest things in, in Meet the Parents. I mean, his pompousness, it, like, it works for his type very, very well, I think, the part. It does. I, it's like, his pompousness, too, it. It comes off as like sometimes in movies, I think that type of pompousness can come off as overly written to a degree where it's hard to believe that the that the character themselves would actually be that way. Yeah. But it, for him, yeah. it works really well. Like I'm like uh, I'm like I feel like he me I often feel like he means well, even though he comes off really bad. Like it's like right yeah. really find a line of feeling genuine in some strange way. Like he sells it. I mean, his does, character yeah. is like yeah. essentially hey, be a dick without being a dick. And like, and he nails it. Yeah, yeah. and be threatening to the new boyfriend's masculinity in every possible yes. way. Yeah, but without him being aggressive about it, it 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 really does. Yeah. yeah, it works really well. And he's being he's one of those people that is being sincere, but he's still an ass. Like the yeah. uh, when he's saying the it's an altar, or you might call it a chuppa, <laughs> like. <laughs> That's true. I, before we move on to, to your fun fact, my only other big thing that I thought was like something that I didn't like was that that, that Robert De Niro didn't know his son smokes pot. Because it's like, dude, you know everything. Like, how do you not know that your son's a huge pothead? And I feel like they never yeah. showed that he figured that out in the first movie. It does seem like, based on the fact that Dina says he never liked Kevin until uh, Pam and her broke up, that he just kind of shuts himself off to the... F he like blinds himself to the facts if if it has to do with his family maybe or you know yeah, that's so, what I that's what I yeah. that actual line made so much sense to me and I was like yes this is like a that's the closest thing you get to like a character moment for Jack is that yeah. is is that line where it's like you never even liked uh, Kevin until yeah. we, they broke up and I'm like oh so he just does this with like all the guys and that's what makes Meet the Fucker so. So disappointing <laughs> is that Ugh. even though he, he had that moment, he's like back to like the plot and, of Meet the Packers is he's trying to impress Jack so Jack will still let him marry his daughter. It's the it's yeah. like complete rehash of the exact same goal. Yep. Well, and I think, and you know, we'll uh, we'll get deeper into it, but I think that a uh, uh, major part of the problem with with something like this is like if the first one pushes it far enough. Basically, Jack is crazy. You know, you can you can balance it like, oh, he just gets overexcited because he loves Pam and and he is expert and, and and Greg does lie and blah 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 blah. But he's he's crazy enough by the end of the first one. And then there's sort of some peace in in the scenario, is this the situation? And and you think that there's a breakthrough. I, I feel like evolving the character is um, necessary at that yeah. point. Mm -hmm. But if you want the jokes in the second one to be the same as the jokes in the first one, I guess you can't. Yeah. And therefore, the character becomes bananas insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it would be insane for us to go through this podcast and not talk about how great Mr. Jinx is. Like, he, the, cat, yes. <laughs> the cat's yeah. great. And I do feel like the cat makes the movie. Like, it's just worth seeing Robert De Niro love this cat so much and, yeah. like, be so yes. obsessed with training it I, and... 
Yeah. One line that really got me this time that I don't remember getting me as a kid is when <laughs> he says to his other daughter, how can you say that? That cat's been like a brother to you. Like, it's just <laughs> the sincerity with which he delivers that line is really excellent. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is really great. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about the first one is that what I really appreciate about it in comparison to the second one is that you do, even though it's this, you know, outrageous comedy with big laughs, there are some quiet moments where mm -hmm. what you get to enjoy is a quiet joke, a quiet yeah. moment of discomfort or a funny line that someone says in the context of a kind of normal situation. Like there are occasions when it's believable, you know, it, yeah. like it's, uh, whereas the second one, it seems like all they're trying to do in every scene is, you know, how do we do something outrageous here yeah. and here and here and here? I don't know. Every, every, and some scenes are, are sort of, May, they're not quietly uncomfortable. They're like loudly uncomfortable, but yeah. then they just end with Greg falling out of a chair because yeah. they, it's like, well, we need our laugh. <laughs> the first one really like it, it didn't require a big slapsticky pratfall in every scene because it had like a plot and like a goal, like that was clearly defined. Yeah. And it was like, Greg needs to get approval from this guy. And, this problem has leads into the next problem because we have a wedding to put on and there's an agenda yeah. and like, and yeah. the sequel just doesn't have that stuff. So it's like, yeah. well, he falls, he falls down. <laughs> That's what I liked about the, the, um, the first one is that like the script is like, it's tight. It's like, yeah, yeah. scenes all lead into each other. They don't like yeah. chew up things for comedy purposes. Like yeah. it moves along yeah. and it's entertaining and it, yeah, it's, Things are happening. He's rewriting his review from high school as we speak. Oh. <laughs> he really I, likes it. I, you know, I could certainly see giving it credit without liking it. I mean, it, it's a very yeah. particular type of movie. Although I know that you also love other cringe humor. Uh, yeah, I was trying but, to wrap my head around that, but I think it's like I, I liked the. I think the difference between him and like Larry David or something is like Larry David. I'm like, oh, I don't care if this guy loses. He's kind of like a right. Whereas Greg, I'm like. No, like he yeah. just wants, he loves this woman and yeah. she's giving him this, this sort of idea that you have to impress my dad or the, or the world is really. And like, and yeah. he's just trying to do that. And then he, no matter what he does, he can't. Yeah. And it's like, so I buy his stakes and I like him and you put those two things together. And I'm like, oh, now he's going to get tortured for an hour and 45 minutes. Like, <laughs> Well, and, and that's a specific enough idea, you know, like. Uh, uh, like it or not, that's like the dad from hell. You know, it's the ultimate challenge for, for me, you know, meeting the parents. But, you know, two is just, there almost is no idea. Yeah. We, yeah. in the second one, we were trying to figure out why they were even there yeah. for a part of <laughs> right. <laughs> We were right. like, wait. Because the wedding's in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we they did drove, not yeah. know. They drove all the way to Florida to plan a wedding with both in laws. Who does? I well, don't think that's exactly it, what happened. I don't even know. I think, I think, I think the implication is that Jack has insisted that they meet before he agrees to the wedding, which they I never see. quite say, which makes it a little confusing. Right, but, because if they say that, people would be like, oh, that's so it's the exact same stakes as the first one. Like, and it's crazy. Yeah, well, and, yeah. and why would Pam be, allow that? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. At this point. 
they already went through that. So it's like they can't yes. say it, but that is, I think, what's well, going on. And it's also entirely out of Greg's control. Like it's like right. it's like you've you've crutched this on something that is out of it's like up to the universe and like not in the main. It's it's actually really yeah. terrible. I think like from a structural level for a story because no one in the actual plot then has any has any bearing over where the story goes right. to a degree. Like right. like Greg has no agency over where this is going to go for him. So it's right. really frustrating. Like I mean, it's also father in law doesn't like his parents. He's what can he do? Yeah. Other than manipulate and try and lie and like do all the things his future father-in-law doesn't want him to do. Yeah. Yeah. And he, in the second one, he doesn't lie ever. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, he, ha he has learned and Jack hasn't. And I guess, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, okay. Let's take a break yeah. for a second. Talking about the second one. Cause we're definitely going to yeah. get into this. Uh, but just some really, I didn't think I would find such interesting stuff about this movie, but there is some really interesting stuff. Um, yeah. It's based on, it's a remake. And it's based on a 1992 independent comedy written and directed by and starring uh, Greg Galena and Mary Ruth Clark. Uh, it had a $100,000 budget. It was 75 minutes long. And it received a lot of critical acclaim, but it couldn't find a distributor. So huh. Universal Pictures bought the rights to it in 1996. At that point, Jim Hertzfeld wrote the script for it as soon as they got the rights. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the only other movie besides this franchise that this man has written the screenplay for was Meet the Deedles. Uh, the Paul Walker. I think it's a yeah. Disney movie. But it's the guy, it's the one with the poster where their hair, hair looks like ocean waves. Oh, yeah. So yeah. wait, does he only write movies called Meet the? Was it the title? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wonder. I like to think that had... that was a studio executive strategy. Yeah. Was it was like, what are other movies about meeting? Let's get well, funnily enough, he, he wrote, he wrote, co-wrote Meet the Fockers, but did not co-write Little Fockers. So maybe it was a, well, there's no Meet the. How do we, <laughs> how can, we don't meet anybody in this movie. Yeah. You don't meet your baby. Oh man, that's amazing. So the first director to be attached was Steven Soderbergh, which is almost not <laughs> worth mentioning. <laughs> Uh, at this point, because I find I've found in so many of these uh, uh, episodes that Steven Sober Soderbergh was always attached to everything. Like, wow. at, at some point, he's uh, like he's attached to so many things. I guess he's just I don't know. I mean, he's very eclectic as a filmmaker. I'm always kind of shocked when I look at his filmography. I'm like, whoa, he's really done it all. He is a student of film. Like he watches a lot of stuff yeah. and like, knows a lot. And I could see him being a fan of an. 75 minute never released indie movie you know and be like oh i'll, re I'll do that yeah I'll that's true of that and then yeah. when they were like so uh we want him to milk a talk about milking a cat and then steven soderbergh's like oh, okay never mind <laughs> yeah <laughs> after that for a long time steven spielberg was set to direct and what? when that was when that was the case this movie was written for jim carrey and he was yeah. attached apparently for a long time uh, and at, at, at in this iteration, Al Pacino was attached to be Jack. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And the, like the comedy a was a level working. of like overacting, like uh, like giant bigness, and then they went for like more subtle. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that. true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that would have been nuts. Um, <laughs> it would have been way too. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. <laughs> I'll be watching you. Smoke weed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, Jay Roach uh, was always interested, and then once Spielberg wasn't involved in the project anymore, he he got signed on because at that point he was a name of sorts for comedy. Yeah. Then John Hamburg, who is a longtime collaborator with Ben Stiller, he's worked on Zoolander, along came Polly. He was brought on by Ben Stiller to help adapt the screenplay for more of his sensibilities than Jim Carrey's. Gotcha. And then in terms of making like this movie what it was, because I feel like with this premise, it, it could have it could have been a lot worse, certainly. But a lot of people brought in a lot of the most famous stuff um, that weren't the two writers. Jim Carrey came up with the idea of him being named Fokker. Uh, novelist Jerry Stahl, who Ben Stiller would later go on to play in Permanent Midnight, he did a pass on the script, and he added the cat milking scene. Oh, wow. Um, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor did an uncredited rewrite, and oh, their additions yeah. included included Jack's poem to his mother, um, which is yeah. pretty good. Um, yeah. and <laughs> Not a single yeah. rhyme in the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one of, still holds up, I, I like the, uh, so much love, yet also so much information is a, is a great <laughs> reaction line. That is, yeah. that is a great reaction. <laughs> but they also, they added the climactic airport sequence. Robert De Niro brought in the idea of the polygraph test scene because he oh. started re researching his character. And in the original, he was a CIA guy and all that stuff was still the same. And uh, Ben Stiller came up with the idea of Greg being a male nurse. So okay. a lot of the huge set pieces, it seems like, were just sort of brought from everywhere. And without yep. any of those things, who knows, you know. How what about Jinxie? Yeah. Jinxie? <laughs> The toilet flushing. Yeah, the toilet flushing cat, the star of the show. It doesn't sound, I don't believe he was in the 1992 original. I don't believe that yeah. there was a Mr. Jinx. I know that the breaking of the urn is in the original yeah. and Jack being in the CIA, but it apparently, uh, it, it's a much different sounding movie. It ends with the sis, Pam's sister killing herself and leaving a note that says, Greg made me do this. Because, yeah, like throughout the movie, uh, she wants to like practice her monologue and nobody wants to hear it. And then Greg hears it and insults her and then she kills herself. And then I think what? the movie ends with him like escaping and running from the family. Oh, so it's a like, much more absurd. It sounds like. Yes. Absurd. Wow. That sounds. Yeah, that sounds really crazy. <laughs> yeah. I kind yeah. of want to see not, it. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of crazy production notes. And then as far as performance notes, so Jay Roach wanted for the whole movie to feel like an anxiety dream for Greg. Yeah. So he kept him in clothes that the actor hated for how uncomfortable they were to sort of keep oh, him uncomfortable yeah. at all times. He was purposefully aloof about how De Niro felt about Ben Stiller's performance and sort of led him to believe he wasn't a fan. And then De Niro, <laughs> being method, kept his distance from Stiller between takes oh. because he didn't want to ruin any of that energy in the scenes. Wow. Well, the, the anxiety worked well yeah. for Steve. Yeah. It's like, wow, what a weird, what a weird thing to try and make your yeah. millions and millions of 
audience members feel. Jay Rich is clearly a really good director. I mean, I feel like he has like all his movies are always really well done. I so, will say I felt a similar level of anxiety during Bombshell. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was I was going to say he's one of these uh, directors like Todd Phillips who's gone yeah. from uh late 90s early 2000s raunchy comedy to serious yeah. work. Yes. Award worthy. Very, very true. Yeah. And then some extra fun facts. I think that you're going to like this. Uh, De Niro loved the cat siblings who played Mr. Jinx. Oh. Their names were Mishka and Bailey. <laughs> and he would uh, play with them between scenes and insisted that they be in more scenes than originally scripted because he loved cats so much. <laughs> that, well, there's where the cat came from. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and apparently the production team begged Jay Roach not to pick a Himalayan cat because they're so hard to train, but he likes the look. Um, yeah. So they went with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty iconic looking cat. Like, I yeah. feel like you always remember what that cat looks like, for sure. Yeah. And then other actors considered for the roles for Pam, Naomi Watts was attached, but they decided she was not sexy enough. For the part. Wow. Which that must that was like right around Mulholland Drive time. So she was pretty yeah. early in her career, I would think. Well, not early. I think she had done some stuff before that, but that was like when her career was like breaking in a huge way, probably. But I remember Mulholland Drive having sexy stuff yeah. in it, specifically with her character. True. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so pretty yeah. crazy. And also like that character is not that important, I don't think. The sexiness yeah, I agree. of Pam. Um, no, yeah, I yeah, I'm surprised. I, that would have been like honestly, like the idea of Naomi Watts having been to meet the parents, because I feel like I, I hate to say this, I think that actress is probably I don't really know her very well. Terry Polo, I Terry think. Terry Polo. Her name. Yeah, yeah. But she's like the least. Like I mean, I know Blythe Danner, Robert De Niro, Ben Stiller. Like they're all like household names. Yeah. So if they had like rounded yeah. that out with Naomi Watts, it would have been a pretty insane cast. But I I don't want to speak. Uh, Terry Polo does a great job though. It's not like you know it's. It worked out fine. I mean, in terms of how these movies just get worse and worse and worse, the yeah. cast just gets more and more stacked. You yes. add Dustin Hoffman and Barbara Streisand. In in Little Fockers, Harvey Keitel's in it. Laura Dern is oh in it. Oh, my God. I mean, it's this like they really... Jay Roach. Every time. I, did Jay Roach do Little Fockers also? He did not. Oh, that's he, right. They, you said that. Did not get him back for Little Fox, and it was also only one of. It was only uh, John Hamburg who wrote that one. The original writer yeah. uh, didn't write any of it. Ugh, and I can't. I mean, okay. Well, let's talk about Meet the Fockers, and then maybe I can tease you with some of what was the absolute worst about Little Fockers. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, so so just comparably, Meet the Parents, eighty-four uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's pretty fair. Um, it's not for yeah. everyone. Um, had a $55 million budget and it grossed $330.4 million. Was that um, worldwide? In 2000. Wow. I believe so. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But Meet the Fockers did very well financially. It, it had a $522.7 million gross and wow. is De Niro's high, highest grossing movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> that I understand it making money. I guess because yeah. the first one was enough of a draw to get people to the second one. But this blows my mind. On Bravo's 100 Funniest Movies Ever, 
Meet the Parents is number 52. Meet the Fockers is number 25 of the funniest movies ever. Yeah. Unbelievable. (laughs) I didn't look at what the rest of the list is, but that's, I I just don't understand it from any angle. Do they count up? Is it one of the few? (laughs) (laughs) 100 is the best. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's number true. That would make for it. number one hundred. <laughs> Even still, for it to make the top one hundred is ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so yeah, just getting into, I, I mean, anything that we haven't said about what sucks about Meet the Fockers. Yeah. Um, I think a problem, sort of like based on what you you were saying earlier, but the first one is it's you have no anchor in this movie, mm-hmm. and even the people who are supposed to be normal for them to be in this situation makes them insane. You know what I mean? It can't make any sense for anybody. (laughs) Uh, And for his parents to be like that, I mean, not even just polar opposite of Jack, but so freewheeling and embarrassing and, (laughs) you know, all about sex and bathroom humor. And for that to be the case, his reaction in the first one and at the beginning of this one don't make any sense. For him to know who they are, he should just not even want it to happen. Well, he says Ugh. he delayed it like two years because he never wanted them. Like, so So for think of that, though. For people that were only together 10 months and got engaged, they've delayed their wedding in this whole universe for two years because he didn't want them to meet, which makes sense. Well, they, don't, <laughs> like, well, they don't bring that up at the beginning either, which is crazy. No, they don't. But they should have yeah. brought that up earlier. There are no stakes. Like, they're not going yeah. there. They don't. Nobody talks about why they're going there. Nobody talks about what, why Greg needs his parents to uh, be impressed or to impress yeah. Jack. You know, like, yeah. because if they talked about that, they'd look insane. I, yeah, and I, I, yeah. I almost wonder if, like, maybe it makes me question if, like, at a certain point in the timeline of this movie getting made and then going through like the testing, the audience testing phase before it was released, if that was at the front of the movie. But it was such an insane thing that people were like, yeah, but that's not a normal thing. Like, it's, you don't have to have yeah. the parents buy off on the other parents. Even if that's the idea, is we need to meet his parents to sign off on them, the way they do it doesn't make any sense. Right. It could have been done, this same premise, because I was going to say, they they have the teaser line in the first one, we have to meet his parents. That's already, that's your plot, and that sounds right, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, really but right. it should be like before the the wedding weekend. You know, this yeah. one was a wedding weekend. Why not do it again? And then yep. in this one, it's a big deal when the wedding's even going to be. Will it be six months from this two-year gap? Will it be next month? No, at the end, for no reason, it's this weekend. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. So why wasn't it that weekend the entire time? Like, Right. Like well, and specifically for them to say, we need to get married this weekend, I don't even understand why they would want to do that. Planning a wedding... Yeah. And pulling off a wedding is a big headache yeah. for anyone. And yeah. everyone knows that she's pregnant at that point. So there's no reason to yeah. rush it. Well, and there's like so many things too. Like, so there's like, not only is there like her pregnancy, which is like a further complication to the whole thing. Cause they don't want that lie. You know, like that's clearly something that like maybe Greg's lied about it and we don't want that to get revealed. Right. But then in addition to that, they have the whole, like, it's kind of a hat on a hat to them be like, Oh, and he also has this other son that he doesn't even know about. And that's what he's been lying about the whole time. And then in addition, there's also the baby, which I have to say, like my biggest note on this is like cut the baby and everything with it. And the movie actually maybe wouldn't have, <laughs> 
been fine. Like, because I feel like a lot of the like the really lowbrow humor also comes out of everything with the baby. The laziest. Now this is and that this is a running trend i feel like in a lot of movies where and in sequels in particular where they bring in a kid and the kid is to blame for ruining it you know what <laughs> i mean and i remember i first of all i remember meet the foggers being not good but better than this yeah <laughs> like better yeah. than this viewing but i do remember back when really disliking the baby from the first moment i yeah. knew there was a baby in it yeah. and <laughs> putting a lot of the blame on the baby. This time around, I don't think the baby is at fault for as much of it as I remember. Well, because I think performance's fault. No, no, no. <laughs> right. It's yeah, not like a really an incredible performer. Yes. I must say. Yeah. Sign language. Yeah. And like, talking. Yeah the, yeah. the baby's pretty good. Yeah. They're all, it, it's more a problem with the lowbrow jokes, but the lowbrow yeah. jokes are coming from everyone constantly. You know, I don't know that the baby's yeah. jokes are any worse. And I would say one of the funniest scenes conceptually, I don't know that it worked fully, was his hands glued to the rum bottle yeah. watching yeah. Starface. Yeah. Like that's that on that's why they sounds have, fun. That's why yeah. they had the baby in the movie. I think the difference is the parent, uh, uh, Greg's parents have just as lowbrow humor with all their sex yeah. talk. But yes, that's the plot of the movie. So it's like you gotta right. have, like, you gotta have them in it. So if that's their thing, that's their thing. The baby has nothing to do with the plot of the movie. So that baby yeah. is just like they they jump through hoops to get that baby into the movie, and then all you get is lowbrow humor from it. Like, yeah, you know, they just wanted to do fake boob jokes. We were saying it felt yeah. like the screenwriter had a baby at the time and was like, I had to write all this in the script. <laughs> this yeah. written somewhere. The last uh, fun fact I have for this one is that the MPAA wouldn't allow the title Meet the Fockers um, unless it could be proven that someone uh, actually had that last name. So they had to find someone with the last name Pocker just to prove that it, it is a viable last name, because otherwise they would have been forced to change the spelling in the title to F-O-K-K-E-R-S, which oh, they really didn't wow. make any sense. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm so, that actually, I love that bit of trivia, and I'm yeah. glad the movie exists just to have, like, been like, yeah! Now I'm imagining yeah. scenarios. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm imagining all these scenarios of, like, DreamWorks and a big studio guy going to a guy with a briefcase and being like, all right, here's your money. Legally change your name to Fokker. Yeah. <laughs> so dupe the MPAA. <laughs> so moving along toward the pitches, I always have these questions I ask before we get into them. Oh, and also, to preface, Katie has elected to be our judge today, which makes you the first guest judge on the show. Oh. We have not had any... Yeah, so that's pretty exciting. If if had you wanted to pitch, I was going to uh, try to come up with some way for your cats to decide to be on theme. Oh, yeah. But I, you know, I think they would have decided naps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is much whichever pitch had more of Jinx in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I will say horrible use of Jinx in two. Yeah. In the second one, yeah. yeah. The second they showed that baby, I was like. Oh, did they? They're just gonna change Jinx up for a baby and like barely have Jinx in this movie and tons of baby, and that's exactly what they did. <laughs> so then, my first question is: Should the parents have a sequel in the first place? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I think, think it, so. Yeah, I think it can. 
if movie if movies can have sequels, I don't see any reason why this movie shouldn't have a sequel because there there are more parents. I'm coming in with the answer no. I don't think okay. I, only because I don't want any more from this story. Okay. When you reach the end of the story, I don't know how you could be any happier in terms of what comes next. Yeah. I like I, I I certainly think they could have done a better job. But in your defense, yes. Where and I think I'm also saying this though with the hindsight of knowing where it went next with yeah. the Fockers because I did know what <laughs> yeah. the concept of Meet the Fockers was. And honestly, right. like the idea of Dustin Hoffman <laughs> and Barbara Streisand as the parents, yeah. everything on paper is a great pitch. Yeah, exactly. When right. It was like, I was like, should I come up with cat, fake casting for my fake sequel? And I was like, honestly, I can't think of better. Like, I was like yeah. definitely yeah. in a box, but I was like, I can't think anybody better than those two. Like, to play Fenzler's totally. parents in this movie. And then I, that informed my pitch to some extent, which I, yeah. you know, regret. But, like, it was hard to, like, to separate that. Yeah, it. it really was. Well, for as much bad as there is to say about Meet the Fockers, I don't have anything bad to say about really anyone's performance. I do yeah. think yeah. everybody is giving 100% to what is ultimately a very weak script. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that, uh, yeah, I, 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 I agree. I love the casting. I like I like the premise, and I, I like the title a lot. Like that. Yeah. When it was coming up, it's like, oh, that's great. That's a funny, exciting yeah. title and a, and a play on what they've already done. <laughs> the only credit I do want to give the movie before you guys move into your pitches yeah. is I did like that at the end, everyone turned on Jack, essentially, yeah. because I felt like they did get that right, which I was glad about. I'm curious, do you have any other questions that you ask? Like, because I know you asked the question about whether or not I have one more question. I'm curious. This one, and yeah. And it, this one has a tendency to, to work better for some movies than others. I don't think it's going to be a, a, a big hit here, but sequel or prequel, what is the sweet spot in terms of following this up? I don't know that there's a prequel to be had here. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> Not much explaining why she's doing mindful meditation for a bunch of three to four year olds. Yeah. It's a, a Pam prequel. That's, yeah, that's, well, yeah that's, cool. I mean, if you couldn't get Ben Stiller back for some reason, you could do it with Owen Wilson. <laughs> so a meet the parents, but with Kevin. But and it surprised it took me aback this viewing through that they've only been together ten months. Yeah. Whereas it sounded like she and Kevin were together for just years and years. Yeah. So the circumstances yeah. would have been a little bit different. But yeah, I guess I could see that. Um, that's. I still think that that's a terrible idea, only because. No one wants yeah. to see that movie where we know the ending is she doesn't end up with him inevitably. Well, and... and he still loves her. And that's what I think would be so interesting to see what that movie would be like. Because it's like, we know they're going to fall apart. It's not going to work. And this guy still pines for her years later. Well, sort of like what you're saying, and I don't want to step on uh, any of your pitch, but... I will say that for my pitch, I ended up having to, I, not having to, but I ended up deciding to take a big left turn because when I started thinking of like, okay, well, what's set up in the first one to be the, the ideal sequel? It's par his parents meeting her parents. Yeah. Meet the Fockers is pretty much your title. And what I want from the arc, Greg and Jack are now sort of have like a shaky bond that Greg doesn't want to mess with. Mm -hmm. and 
basically i just like and and i'm I, this is, these are only just vague plot points but like all i could think of was like the idea that greg would come in taking jack's side all the time and then sort of like hurt his own parents feelings you know by yes. doing that and then yeah. in the end you know greg being sort of like the uh heart or whatever of the film realizes what he's doing stands up to jack and then like in meet the parents when everybody sort of like ousts greg and he's on the outside same thing happens to jack the reason that i didn't try to follow any of that was i was sort of like oh i think that some of this happens in meet the fox yeah like it did and i guess and it does yeah but very little exactly it's sort of yeah. like i mean i am happy i ended up taking my left turn but at the same time it's like yeah that was there but it was yeah. so not the focus and it was so not well executed yeah um, i agree it would have been great I, well what you described is like yeah that would have been a fun mm -hmm. movie it's mm -hmm. like, him, yeah him yeah. still wanting to impress jack at the cost of all his other relationships yeah. Yeah. I think the Fockers themselves would have to have been taken down a notch. Yes. At least, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they wouldn't uh, have had to have been the parents they reference in the in Meet the Parents, which is like a normal family with siblings and like fighting over Chinese food and like yeah. right. Yeah. And he has no and not, siblings. And certainly liberal, not conservative, but they oh, don't yeah. need to be sex yeah. monkeys. <laughs> okay so do you want to go first do you want me to go first i'll go first because it sounds like you take a big big divergence and that seems like a logical second one because i don't want to follow that because mine is like relatively conservative you want to hear a story so i want the stakes to be big uh so i wanted it to be i mean and again we talked about this already but i wanted it to be they they saved Greg put off uh, having the two parents meet until the week of the wedding, uh, which to me, nice. and I put, in, I put in parentheses in my notes, seems obvious because yeah. it, does, <laughs> yeah. it does seem obvious. Like, it's like, this is obviously yeah. what the movie but if they're going to meet each other. So my twist on what we see in the actual thing was uh, Greg's parents don't like him. He's always been a disappointment. He's uh, he's one of many children, and all his siblings are better, do everything better than he does. Oh. Uh, so he's just as that. desperate to impress them as he is, uh, as he was Jack in the first one. Uh, but it's slightly different because now he's got like handsomer, like more fit, more successful siblings to like, compete with. Yeah, yeah. So he's desperate to impress, uh, impress them. He, uh, more than he was Jack, uh, so we upped the Andy a little bit. Uh, he could I never, like uh, he could never compare to his five perfect siblings. Uh, so yeah, in yeah. that desperation, somehow he accidentally, uh, in trying to impress his parents, he 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 lies and he says that Pam is half Jewish, uh, and, nice. and they're like, oh, so his parents are like, oh, so she she's uh, practicing the faith. And he's like, oh no, it's Jewish on her, her father's side. Uh, so then he has to, uh, so he's like, <laughs> she's not very religious, um, so big, don't make a big deal out of it, uh, but, and Pam's like, what did you tell him that for? And he's like, eh, it's gonna be fine. She's like, but, but Greg, they're gonna meet my dad. So then yeah. 
Greg has to go to Jack, who again, ten, they have like a tentatively good relationship, and they're both, yeah. Uh, you know, the first time you see them together, it's Jack being like, "Hey, Greg, you know, uh, what?" Or, "Hey, yeah. fucker, how you doing?" Like, you know, we're yeah. buddies now, and and he has to say, uh, uh, "Oh, I have a note here where it says Jack arrives wearing Jinx in a baby Bjorn." <laughs> 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 I love that's it. excellent yeah i like that uh greg is now pulling a pam on greg by not properly yeah. preparing her and just sort of like last minute yeah. being like oh yeah this yeah. is what we're gonna do yeah it is a it is the flip side it, it, it switches yeah. a lot of roles to be honest because then so uh so greg has to talk to jack so jack's like fine i'll just pretend to be i'll pretend to be jewish uh and <laughs> okay so, so that that's essentially the the first lie that then spirals into just hijinks. Uh, so the movie then becomes Greg trying to pass the lie off and having to lie more and more things go wrong, and uh, you get some uh, you get some fun scenes where Jack is terrible at being Jewish and small niece Sicilian Jews, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and sort of Greg just has to sit there and watch. Jack lie and you get the flip side of that. But in other ways, Jack is actually kind of good at certain things, like because he was in the CIA and like he sort of surprises yeah. everyone when he reveals that he speaks fluent Hebrew. And uh <laughs> and because he nice. in that in the Middle East or whatever yeah. and like deal with that stuff. So mm-hmm. uh so Jack is better at being Jewish than Greg, and Greg even starts getting jealous <laughs> of Jack. Uh, and Jack can't help but rub it in Greg's face so much that Greg tries to like sabotage him in one scene against his better uh, interest. He's like, "Oh, really, Jack? Tell us more about your Sicilian bonus." Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and then, again, I, I really wanted to like turn turn it on its head and make Jack do the uh, do the scramble that Greg has to do in the first one. But, yeah. Um, oh, and the oh, and Greg's parents love Pam. Uh, they and. Uh, Greg isn't sure if it's because of the lie or what, but uh, finally Greg did something right. Every compliment to Pam is a backhanded insult to Greg. Uh, nice. Also, yes, we see Jack's, Jack do some spy shit. Uh, in one scene written specifically for Katie, Jack and Jinx work <laughs> together to break in and steal security camera footage of Jack eating a ton of bacon. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a running. That's a running thing. Oh, Jack is right. constantly trying to sneak off and eat bacon, even though he's supposed to be kosher. <laughs> also, his wife is like, "Jack, your heart, uh, your cholesterol, Jack yeah." Of, and Jack keeps smelling yeah. of bacon, but he says, "Jinx, his cat, is a gentile." Uh, oh, nice. It's just like <laughs> it's way more. Ha- I would rather deal with this hacky shit than what was in Meet the Fockers. Personally. It's like a severe yeah. level of hacky, but it's not yeah. as uh, slapsticky or gross. Something tells say. me, though, that this would be more frowned upon. I uh, don't know. 2004 <laughs> would have been fine. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I like. Stand by 2004. Yeah. I like the level with which he's still humanizing Jinx, letting him have yeah. his own religion choice i really like that i also yeah. like that for it being you know number two on top of number one it's every it's anxiety inducing for greg and jack yeah. like they're both stuck yeah it's a yeah. buddy comedy in some ways like they're kind of like giving each other they're giving each other shit but then they also depend on each other more so greg depends on jack but jack is like trying to be he's trying to step up and be a friend to uh 
Brett. I was thinking about it too, though, that Jack, like, if being a CIA agent was his thing and he had to, like, personify being people he wasn't for a long time, there's no way he doesn't want to be able to pull this off. Like, yeah, it would be like, right. it would be like a stain on Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's like retired, sure. but he feels like he could still do it if he had to, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. and then and yeah. so then to wrap it up, Greg uh, and Jack have a big fight at the end about something. Right? But this is what I thought was crucial. Jack tells Jack sort of makes up for something where he tells Greg's parents off, stands up for them, uh, and tells oh, wow. poor Greg because again, uh, Greg's parents in this version uh, don't like he's him. like a black sheep, and they like all yeah better. He's a, I didn't see it at first, but Greg is the best guy in the world. Jack even uh, says he was wrong to think uh, parents could. Oh, this is this is important to me that Jack says he was wrong to ever think that parents could give permission for marrying their child. These two people love each other and they're their own people, and that's the only thing that's important. And nothing of what I think or you, 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 or even me thinks matters when it comes to love. Because that's what I think wow. the first one was missing was Jack like owning up to like this outdated form of like asking the parents is like we do it because it's a tradition. But like if the parents say no, you're not going to be like, well, I guess we'll, we have to stop loving each other. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, that's true. Because like the parents kind of have to say yes. And if they say no, yeah. they're a monster, you know, like. Yeah. Um, so like I wanted Jack to sort of like make that arc he doesn't for that whole uh thing which is fair in the first one he doesn't but if you push him make if there's a sequel make him do it so um yeah that big big payoff we don't see in the first one uh and then i don't know jack uh jinx still flushes the dog down the toilet because that's pretty funny that's <laughs> <laughs> not in my notes but put it in. that was terrible the dog down the it was All just day. so like yeah sorry what were you gonna say paul I, well no i found it annoying that the main thing they gave Jinx in this movie was that he flushes now. I think as an evolution for Jinx, it does make some sense that he sure. learns to flush. I mean, I, I'm willing to bet that because the reason Jinx doesn't flush in the first one is because he doesn't have opposable thumbs. And I'm mm -hmm. willing to bet they got a million letters of people being like, you don't need thumbs to flush a toilet. Definitely. Fit. I liked it. Um, yeah. yeah, do you, you have a title? Uh, no. When I was sort of following that more traditional thread of just the parents meeting, the best I could come up with as an alt title was The Parents Meet. <laughs> just mix up the words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's but yeah. not great. Meet the Fockers is better, for sure. Yeah. When we watched this one, there was a moment in it. Steve just looked at me and he was like, totally fucked. And I was like, that's a great title. So going into my pitch, what I sort of stemmed from was rather than trying to change uh, the universe, I sort of looked at it from the from the element of it being like a an anxiety nightmare and thought about what could up the ante I guess it's not necessarily a different genre, but it's I took it into a different subgenre, and I think you'll see what I mean. Okay. okay. Is there something you want to tell me? Greg and Pam get married. The opening credits feature footage from the wedding, which I thought also seemed obvious because the first one features footage of Pam. And it even goes as far as to have that Randy Newman song, and it's a new Randy Newman song in this one. That's a pretty ideal start. You see the wedding. Uh, maybe you even see the Burns meeting the Fockers at the wedding some 
you know, vague discomfort, but it's like all found footage. So it's like not going over the top with the jokes. So then there's a sequence sort of watching the rest of Greg and Pam's lives. Um, I don't, I don't want it to be like, uh, overly long, but essentially it's like maybe starts with him carrying her over the threshold of their new house after their wedding. And then, uh, you watch a sequence of their lives in this house all the way until they grow old together. Uh, Pam dies just a few days before Greg as an old woman. Okay. So Greg says goodbye to his kids, dies a few days later. After dying, Greg enters heaven, expecting to be reunited with Pam. Oh. What he finds is an afterlife very different from anything he would have expected. I mean, he's in heaven. And God, played by Robert De Niro, is more or less the familiar Christian archetype, but with like a blatant, though technically polite, holier-than-thou air about him, very mm -hmm. much like Jack who he mentions as one of his personal favorite creations, Jack Burns. <laughs> um, so and he doesn't seem to care. No, he's God, but he... But he likes Jack. Jack after himself, after his own <laughs> image. And he doesn't think much of Greg. He kind of scoffs at his Jewishness, you know, uh, delicately. Uh, you know, I think that this whole thing might be a little too offensive religiously, but... Anyways, I went for it. Did you hear? Yeah, yeah. Both of you guys yeah. went down very religiously <laughs> offensive routes, which I find interesting. Yeah. Greg is informed that upon entering heaven, women, the far more sacred human uh, type, are given the choice to move on to their next stage of evolution as goddesses, whom, as a collective, work on solving the problems of the universe from heaven. In the process of becoming such, they forget their earthbound lives. So Pam has already done this, and he, Pam is another one of God's personal favorites, and she's already made this choice so she doesn't remember the life that she and Greg shared. It's also explained that goddesses who are interested in having an eternal companion glow from the inside out. Yeah, this was just yeah. whatever. Uh, and uh, Pam, Pam is not glowing. You know, she's, okay. she looks normal. So Greg's disappointed to hear this, something God you know, doesn't really take seriously uh, because here the libido is neutralized and all other happinesses are available at all times. You know, the only example I come up with for Greg is like he's smoking the best cigarettes ever. <laughs> like the, yeah. um, I have more heaven ideas to get into later, but in terms of just sticking to the plot, when after meeting at a heavenly function, Pam begins to glow after meeting Greg, he becomes hopeful that he can win her back. But okay. God has other plans. He never intended for Pam to end up with Greg and always saw her with Kevin, who's also <laughs> in heaven, <laughs> and also still after Pam. And he saw uh, Pam and Kevin as like the ideal match, sort of created them for each other. So then, like, you know, that's sort of the main action of the story is Greg trying to win Pam. God is maybe in a kindly God way, sabotaging him or trying to sort of like push her towards Kevin. But it's only when, oh, oh, side note, I also want Jesus to also be played by Owen Wilson. So the <laughs> idea being that God forms Kevin after his son. 
Yeah. Um, and I also thought it could be fun for there to be an awkward scene between Jesus and Greg of him being like, so you never believed in me, huh? Like, uh, <laughs> put him on the spot. So Greg all but loses hope after being embarrassed a few times. Uh, he starts to wonder whether or not he's actually in hell. And <laughs> I sort of see like a, a hell dream sequence. And this is where I have Denny. Denny's in hell and he super <laughs> loves it there. <laughs> no, he loves it. Denny's yeah. super at home in hell. And so like he's part of like enjoying Greg's torture in hell when he has yeah. the vision or whatever. Um, and then Greg meets Jack Burns again in heaven. Upon discovering that Dina has also forgotten their marriage and remains without a glow, Greg offers his help to reconcile the two of them. And then the men work together to rekindle the affections of their lost lady loves. Yeah. Uh, in the end, they're successful, and God is confronted by the goddesses who no longer wish to be kept in the dark about their old lives. Uh, and in fact, have several other suggestions for ways that the heaven and the universe can be improved. So forced by his own structured ruling system, God must listen and become so busy working alongside the goddesses, improving the universe, that he no longer has time to interfere with his subjects and their and their individual lives. Oh. So I, that's the main premise, and I call it Meet the Maker. Oh. Uh, I think, like, the interesting thing I thought about both your guys' pitches is that they kind of inevitably involve Jack and Greg having to team up in some way, like, or, like, come together, which... That does yeah. make the most sense for the sequel, and clearly they did not do that in Meet well, the Fuckers. Paul and I both yeah. wanted to not repeat exactly the character arc. Like, if you're going to yeah. repeat any, if you you can repeat every joke as long as you don't repeat the character arc. Yeah. Oh, the only other detail I wanted to mention for um, just trying, because I, I wanted to try to come up with set pieces of humiliation for Greg, but it's hard to do in heaven. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what I did come up with was the idea that, like, in his apartment or wherever they are in heaven, there is a perfection meter that they can turn the, like, the perfection of their existence up to 10. And so, like, if you turn it up to 10 and if you get a crumb on your face, the crumb, like, jumps itself away into the trash <laughs> or, like, and I also like the idea of almost using it as, like, a dimmer switch and, like, if you turn it down the apartment gets a little messier and more cluttered, but if you turn it all the way up, it's sparkling clean oh, and that kind of thing. And yeah. like fun references that throughout where it's like, boy, the perfection level in this place is, uh, you know, is yeah. a little off tonight or something oh, like and that. Then, um, and then at the end, you could definitely have a moment where like he, he allows the perfection meter to go all the way down with Pam and reveal her yeah. for who he truly is. And she still chooses him. And yeah. I'm thinking that like everybody in heaven has almost like an Apple Watch version of it. And maybe that's what God is messing with for Greg so that it's like causing him problems, you know, yeah. in places. Um, that's a good idea. But yeah, I don't so want to, I don't want to handicap myself too much. I really don't want to like uh, hurt my own chances with Katie, but <laughs> is, uh, is Jinx in heaven? <laughs> uh. Ooh. Uh, it doesn't crap. sound like Jesus um, in heaven. I feel at a very big loss here because obviously, <laughs> yes, because if it's heaven, animals are there. But I didn't come up with any bits for Jinx in heaven. I mean, I like the idea of Jinx sitting on God's lap 
Well, yeah, okay, like, that's fair. Lower his sunglasses occasionally and drinks wine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. Does a bunch of anthropomorphic <laughs> things that a cat shouldn't do. I don't like those pictures, Steve. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do, not, do not do that to Jinx. He's perfect as he is in the first one. <laughs> yeah. This is this is an interesting like how does this go like so are we we're supposed to pick one now is that how this goes well you are supposed okay. to pick one you alone this is uh, this you is tough a... <laughs> because they are very different pitches <laughs> um, I feel like there's a world in which both these pitches could work in the in the entire canon oh, yeah. of the meet the parents story it's true could be yes a third one yeah. Um, yeah. I have to, like, I do have to go with my gut and my, I think I'd have to go with Steve's pitch because I do think Absolutely. It's, it's tough because I do think yours is far more original and something that I'd like to see and that whoa, I would whoa, just whoa. be like, whoa, like that would be, <laughs> it would be crazy if like, if Meet the Parents had had that sequel, it would have been so mind-blowing. Yeah. It would have definitely been inspired. Like, it would have definitely been like a whole new thing. Like, wait. Meet the Parents sequel is Meet God. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I you don't. Yeah. I mean, you don't often see a genre leap between movies. No, I don't know. It's true. I don't know if you have seen it ever. But I yeah yeah, yeah. but no I to, I totally I think that Steve what Steve proposed was more what I wanted back when I knew there was going to be a second one. You know, yeah. like that would have pleased me. Which is yeah. a, why we do this podcast at all. <laughs> so you're like, yeah. yes, this could have worked. I, I mean, realistically, great. why Steve truly won is because of the Jinx. He because I do think uh, like I do think Jinx is one of the best parts of the first one, and so I can yeah. see like it's like oh, of course they'll have to be in the second one. It's like it's a bit reductive and like it's kind of like uh, but he is so funny in the first one that it's kind of hard to not have him at all. And I stand in the next. by yeah, right. Jack, do, Jack pulling off a spy mission with Jinx <laughs> as his partner. And like Jinx having to like sneak into a room like Mission Impossible style like or something like would have been yeah. as wacky as they could. The studio could have got as wacky and slapsticky yeah. as they got in the sequel. But it would have been more true to like Jack's yeah. character. That seems like a Jim Carrey well, movie actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and getting to see Jack and Jinx interact on by themselves in a way that isn't what you see in both movies, which is just him being like, so Jinx, let's watch this video. <laughs> like, I do like that a lot because you he talks about training him in a lot of different ways, but to see it in action where it's like yeah. and Jinx running, that's great. That's really yeah. good. And I do that really like the idea of of Jack defending uh, Greg at some point. I mean, yeah, I, I am very pleased by the results here, and I, I, I think you did an excellent job. Yeah, the winner is... Okay, so the winner of this follow-up showdown is Totally Fucked by Steve Clemens. Well, you need that assurance, do you? You prefer an emotionally shallow animal? I... Not sure if people will even know yeah. to meet the parents sequel. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I like that, too. Anything that you guys would like to plug on your way out? Uh, do's and don'ts on Instagram. Mountain Dew reviews featuring myself, <laughs> occasionally Paul. Uh, <laughs> and last to read Kevin Bacon on Spotify. It's a podcast. Yes, and it's excellent. I'm glad Steve had two things to plug. Yeah, 
He plugged it for both of us. We'll say do's and don'ts is for Katie. And thank you both for being the first guests on on Nerds in Quarantine, our our season two. And uh, I look forward to seeing you again regardless, but, you know, I'd love to have you back as well, so. Yeah, totally. Other than that, um, we can get off the iPad and I can go eat and all that. So, but uh, this was me keeping me, not you keeping me. I would have done this all night if need be. So thank you again. Can you deal with that? On the next follow-up showdown. The movie we're talking about today is 1982's Grease 2. Put near and dear friends to all of our hearts, Tony Interdonato and Chris Newell. I'm super excited about this. I've watched it probably more than 100 times involuntarily. 